0: Deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida
1: Gators.
2: Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm Adam Schick. Nothing can compare to the feel of a football game week in the fall, but once every spring, we do our best to simulate the experience as we prepare for the Orange and Blue debut. The spring game is a rare chance to see the stars of September and April, and we'll chat with one of them today in running back Jordan Cronkite. We'll also hear some perspective on the scrimmage from the voice of the Gators' Mick Hubert and FloridaGators.com senior writer, Scott Carter. But first, with the early departure of Kelvin Taylor, there's a big void to fill in the backfield. One of the running backs vying for the spot is rising sophomore Jordan Cronkite, and we asked the Miami native what he's taken away from spring practice.
3: Just that the hard work the early enrollees are putting in, um, just the progress by everybody on the team, every position. They're hungry for, to get back to Atlanta this year.
2: With so many early enrollees, what does that do to help the team chemistry, trying to build that going forward? Um, I know because I came in the summer
3: last year, it's kind of hard to adjust to everybody, new faces on the team, but when you come in early,
2: you get to put in even more work and getting familiar with the playbooks and more time in the weight room, and it's a great thing. There's been a lot of competition at the running back spot. Everybody's talking especially about Mark Thompson and what he's doing. What have you seen among the guys in that group and the way that they're growing? Well, first of all, Mark, great guy. Um, he's a big guy, we all know. But as a group, as a whole, we,
3: we all push each other in the weight room, film room, and on the field. And we just complement each other.
2: With what you did as a freshman and then Kelvin Taylor leaving early, you immediately become one of the upperclassmen at that position. What's that weight been like for you carrying that going forward? Um, It's not
3: something that I can't handle it's just I just take it and go from there Um, I just keep working hard and I really just want to win it's not I'm not an eye guy so it's not a big deal.
2: I know with Mark Thompson as well he's giving you a little bit more of that swing pass out of the backfield because his ability to catch passes how much has that affected the other guys yourself included with that being more a part of the offense. If you see Mark, you see he's a big guy. You think he's just always just run downhill,
3: but he has a great skill set, so he's able to catch passes out the backfield as well as I do, so
2: it's a great asset for the team. When you look at where you are right now, where do you think you've made the most progress compared to the fall? How much heart I have more now playing. uh,
3: Last year it was a grind. It was my first time playing college football, and it was a long season, so now I have a more tough mindset mentally, so I feel like that's going to help me this year.
2: What experiences do you think helped you grow the most last year?
3: Just being around the older guys, the guys that are that left early for the NFL, and just watching them how they approach practice
2: and the film room, and just learning from them. You mentioned the early enrollees and the leg up that they have. If you could go back now and tell yourself something at the beginning, the kind of things you're telling these young guys, what would have been the best advice you could have given yourself in that same position? Um, just, it's a great opportunity. Um, there's no right or wrong choice
3: to either stay in school or to come in early. It's just an opportunity. It's a great opportunity
2: whether you're here or you're not here, so that just when you come in, just you have to bust your tail. Spring practice is just one component of a very complex offseason that you guys have, so people get to see the orange and blue game, but they don't see everything else. Take us through what you've been doing since the bowl game. Probably
3: a couple days after the bowl game, we came in and we started spring workouts, and
2: it's just been a grind every day, even on the weekend and we just been pushing each other. How are spring practices different from practices in the fall? Are there different things that are emphasized, different things that, that you work on? Um, it's more situational stuff. Um, I know we, we get
3: a break like right after the season, so springtime is an opportunity to... Uh, perfect our craft, and then do more situational stuff that we don't get to work on as much during the season because it's more game plan stuff.
2: You guys ended the year on a three-game losing streak, and everybody was really disappointed about that. How much has that fueled this work through spring, trying to get back out there and and show a different look? Uh, We started off really great during the season, and we went on a
3: three-game skid. But that's really like pushed our team, especially the guys that were here and then the returning guys, to push each other. We won't accept anything less than
2: going back to Atlanta and furthermore from there. So, One thing that's important about this year is more depth from the offensive line. I know that's something that Coach Mack has really talked a lot about. What have you seen from that group, and, and what can you tell us about the O-line? They started early in the spring. They've been working really
3: hard. Their bodies has been changing. the work ethic has been changing. And they're really pushing each other on the field and off. So it's a, it's a great thing to see from them, that group of guys.
2: Who are some new names we should be looking for in the offensive line that maybe we didn't see a year ago? Stone Forsythe.
3: Uh, he was an early enrollee. Um, people know of Fred Johnson, but Fred played every other
2: game. But he's a, he's a big guy, and I think you'll see a lot of great things from him this year. Everybody wants to talk about quarterbacks. That's always the focal point, and you have a pretty good vantage point of those guys and the work that they're doing. What can you tell us about each of them and what they've brought to the table so far? They're all their own leader. They all bring their own skill set to the table, and they lead in their own ways, and it's a great thing because you don't have to tell them to lead, and they take it upon themselves. When you've got two freshmen involved in the competition, both Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask, how difficult is that transition for them, trying to get up to speed and, and be a leader when they're the new guys around? Um, I'm
3: sure it's very difficult. I'm sure in high school they were doing it with their talent and how they work and, by example, and here you have to be more of a vocal guy as a quarterback, especially at a school like this. So I feel like it's a great challenge for them to be able to come here and
2: try to lead an offense, and it's something to look forward to. In football terms, you're now a sophomore, but you're still in your freshman year of school and trying to get through that. In what ways are you still transitioning to this lifestyle of being in college and being away from home? Um, Just not being
3: able to see familiar faces at home, uh, being here at Florida, but it's not really that hard of a transition once you put your mind on something that you want to achieve and you just have
2: to push through it. The orange and blue game being at night, how big of a deal is that for you guys? How much more juice does that give you? Majority of our games are at nighttime, so it's just getting, like, like you said
3: earlier, like situational stuff, being playing at nighttime, and of course being in this Florida heat, just
2: take that off our bodies. When you're preparing for a scrimmage as opposed to a real game, how is the preparation different? Is the intensity level different from what it would be for a game in the fall? Um, I wouldn't say that. Um, every day it's like a game situation on our practice field. You practice how you play, so you just have to come and bring it every day, no matter what time of year it is. When you've got some free time, what do you like to do? And if you have more of it summer, what will you plan on doing with that? Probably half of it with my family back at home and then, just doing some stuff here in Gainesville or other places like outdoor stuff. So many people have trouble with your name because they think about Walter Cronkite. How many times do people mess up your name and you have to correct him and tell them it's different than the, the old newsman?
3: They'll ask me am I related to him, and I'll just tell them no and just smile. But, I mean, I've heard it so many times growing up as a kid and until now, so I just smile. I don't I don't try to correct them. I just let them learn it on their
2: own when they hear it. Ever make you consider a different path of being a, a news broadcaster or anything like that? Uh, um, no, not really. Um, <laughs> it's just something that I could
3: be compared to because he was a great newscaster, but it's just its all fun, all fun in games. Hey,
2: hey. Moving the game to a Friday night is certainly a significant departure, but the nature of the game itself also changes from year to year based on the circumstances surrounding the team. We asked The Voice the Gators, Mick Hubert, about the evolution of the Orange and Blue debut.
0: Some years it's been bigger than others. We've had some large crowds and we've had some sparse crowds. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it goes uh, this year, because it's on a Friday night, and never before have been under the lights. So uh, we'll see how that affects the, the attendance, but the the playing of the game, and uh, you know
2: it'll be inter- interesting to see. You've seen this game played on Saturday afternoons for a really long time, and that Friday night element under the lights seems like that's really a response to all the great night game crowds from last season. How do you think that'll impact the atmosphere and just the, the feeling of the game? Uh, so many of
0: our games are played at night, so I think this is a great opportunity for those guys to just get in the big ballpark to get in the swamp and into to play to a degree at night. I mean, obviously at 7 o'clock it'll still be a little bit light, but it'll get dark as it goes on. So that'll give them an opportunity to do that. And, uh, you know, I think the coaching staff likes the idea, obviously, because it gives them a free day on Saturday to usher around some of the recruits that'll be in and, uh, and do some of those kinds of things. So uh, I
2: think it is an experiment, and we'll see how it proceeds uh, beyond this year. Coming off the heels of last year's season, what are you looking for out of this orange and blue debut? Who are you maybe looking to see emerge and grow? Well, I think all eyes are focused on the quarterback situation simply because
0: of uh, uh, the new players who are at that position and obviously it's a position that everyone always looks to and uh, you know, some years we haven't had uh, quarterbacks that have been able to do a whole lot because, uh, for example, last year we didn't have enough offensive linemen to really have a game. Jim McElwain has said even earlier this week that this is going to be a game this will be a football game and that's good to see it's good to know that there'll be a football game and not just a glorified practice or a series of drills So we'll see how it breaks down. But looking at those four guys, and certainly uh, they were very excited last summer about Luke Del Rio with high hopes that maybe they could gain his eligibility. Of course, that did not happen. But uh, obviously he's been here in the system, so we'll be looking forward to seeing him play. And then obviously another veteran guy in Austin Appleby who has played collegiately already now at Purdue. And then, of course, the two young guys that we know about, Felipe Franks, who has been drawing rave reviews. And then Kyle Trask, the guy that didn't play a lot as a high schooler, in fact, earlier in the week, uh, Jim McElwain joked that, uh, yeah, we, we beat Houston Baptist to get him. He, he wasn't highly sought after, but the coaches always felt this was a guy that could contribute. They, they've been high on him for a long time, even though he doesn't have a, a great high school track record of games played. Uh, that, that didn't deter them one bit from the opportunity to go out and get him. So, those four guys have been competing, and uh, I, I'll be interested in looking at that. Uh, Mark Thompson, a big, strong running back at, at 6'2", and about 230. Uh, maybe a very fine inside runner, who I think also can catch. He played a little receiver previously in his football life, so I I think they're encouraged about the fact that not only he, uh, but a guy like Jordan Cronkrite also proved he can make the catch. He made that big catch against South Carolina last year, so I think they feel that they have backs who can gain yards on the ground, but also can catch balls, will give the offense a little added dimension this year. And from what I've heard, basically uh, things have gone well for the receivers. Uh, really, the, the, I think he's been pleased with the guys catching the ball out there in space and, and even the thrown balls, you know. So I think they're encouraged there. I really think they're optimistic about their offensive chances this year. And unlike a year ago at this time, they've got a bunch of offensive alignment, enough to have, a, as he calls it, a legitimate
2: game. So that'll be interesting to see. So often we see players emerge during this game, and it can be fool's gold sometimes. It may not translate to the fall, but sometimes it proves to be a star-making performance, and we see that translate in September. Who are some guys you can think of who really broke out and had big games in the Orange and Blue debut?
0: You know, I don't know that I've gotten that many really, Adam, but the one guy that comes to mind was way back early, maybe my, my first year here. And that was Shane Matthews, because the north end zone of the swamp was being put in place. The game was not played in Gainesville. It was played over the old uh, Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. And in that Gator Bowl game played over there in April that year, uh, Shane was no better than maybe a fourth or a fifth string guy who came out and, and led his team to a win over there. It was Steve Spurrier here in his first season. And that probably is the most significant player that I can think of that really came from virtually nowhere the year before to having a a fine spring and then going out and having a great season. And by his uh, final year was the SEC quarterback of the year. So he, to me, is the poster boy of being a spring game MVP that went on and not just was a flash in the pan in April. Been so many players like that that had great April spring games and you knew they weren't really going to see the field, and there'll be some there'll be a few guys on Friday night that are going to be playing in this spring game that aren't scheduled to appear really in a game day uniform that's all part of it, uh, but I would say
2: Shane would be the guy that would, would clearly without question comes to mind is it ever strange for you calling a game where the gators are on both sides and do you run out of energy with all the ohm on both sides <laughs>
0: you know it uh it, it is kind of for me uh uh, a game that uh, is interesting to do. I think we started doing the spring game on radio when Urban Meyer arrived. It was about 2005. They asked uh, if we could do the spring game. We did it, and I remember it was it was painful. <laughs> As a play-by-play broadcaster, painful would be the word I would describe it, and what I mean by that is I pride myself on preparation. I love to prepare. I love to get in there and dig out notes and facts, and and then get it in the game broadcast. I, I love what I love about football is the fact that it's just on Saturday, the game, but the preparation is really the other six days. And I enjoy those other six days getting ready for Saturday because I feel when I get to game day on Saturday, I'm ready for the test. Again, I've often remarked, I wish I would have studied as a student the way I studied <laughs> now as a broadcaster. It would have been so much easier. But I, but obviously the material, the subject matter is what I really love. So I really loved studying all this kind of stuff. But I realized early on, that's what made it so painful. It's hard to study for the spring game because you may not get roster until the day of the game, and you know that at some point in time, a player or two or three or four are likely to switch jerseys and go play on the other side. So from that standpoint, it is tough. So I don't want to say it's a low-energy type of a broadcast because that would be misleading, but it is one where it's really more for me as a play-by-play announcer (laughs) And I I, I chuckle at the thought. It's basically a talk show. And I never, ever want my broadcast to be a talk show. I mean, as a play-by-play guy, to me on radio, that's a a sacred deal now in terms of the the, the nuts and bolts is the purest of down and distance and, and following the game. But I've come to realize in the spring game, we're going to miss some plays. And I just hope that if we're in a commercial, a guy doesn't run a 75-yard touchdown, it could happen. I wouldn't be happy about it. But that's just a part of it. So it took me several years to finally realize that, Mick, this, this is kind of just a talk show with you, Lee McGriff, and Brady Ackerman down there, and some years Jeff Cardozo's been with us, and so you just kind of, you're just chatting football, and and you can call in a few plays. What you turn out on radio in April doesn't resemble in any way what you turn out on radio in September. It took me several years to kind of realize that a little bit, so I go on Friday night to to watch the spring game and just kind of sit back and have a little fun watching them play.
2: In any year, the Orange and Blue debut is a chance for fans to get their first look at a lot of new faces before the fall. But this time in particular, the focus will be on the four-way battled quarterback that's been the talk of the offseason. While you've probably heard the names over and over, you may not know what each individual brings to the table. We enlisted FloridaGators.com senior writer Scott Carter to run through the tail of the tape on each, starting with the presumptive leader in the clubhouse, Luke Del Rio. <laughs>
1: one thing that makes luke del rio stand out obviously is his background in this system you gotta remember he started his college career way back in 2013 when doug nussmeyer was offensive coordinator at alabama and what nussmeyer did there is a very similar to what he's trying to do here but then he goes to oregon state doesn't work out for him he transfers into florida last year has to sit out guess who's back nussmeyer is here he reunites with him jim McElwain has talked about When he was at Colorado State, Del Rio spent his last High school season out in Denver when his dad was with the Broncos as defensive coordinator, and they really tried to recruit him out there, so they've got knowledge of him, he's got knowledge of them and what they want to do and he studied that playbook last year. he took a lot of reps in practice, during scout team drills and stuff like that. so you know Luke del Rio, his familiarity with the offense with his coaching staff, and I think that's his key selling point to win the job you know at this stage of the competition. maybe the guy that we know the least about is Austin Appleby. He's- the most experienced,
2: but he's the most unfamiliar to Gator fans.
1: Yeah, Austin Appleby, you know, you he arrived here in uh, January, and unless you follow Big Ten football and Purdue specifically, you're right—you probably don't know a lot about him. Uh, he's six foot five, 240 pounds. He's a big guy. His strength, Adam, is—he's played in 19 games up at Purdue, started 11 of them. You know, he threw 19 touchdowns, 19 interceptions. He was on a team that really struggled during his career. I think they were 6-30 his first three years in the program. So he didn't have a lot around him, but he did have some shining moments. None better, really, than his last game at Purdue last fall against Indiana. He goes out and throws 332 yards, a career high. So he's played in the big stadiums. He's face, good competition, and that's something the other three guys really can't say. While well, Luke Del Rio's been around the college game, he's only played in three games and thrown eight passes. Austin Alkaby has a lot more experience, almost 3,000 career passing yards. Again, it's an offense that just from talking to him, he's very comfortable with. He thinks it fits his skill set very well, and uh, you know, he said, hey, I'm here to win this job, and you know, he's only got one year of eligibility remaining, so I mean, this is a big year for him. I'm sure he's Looking, hey, I'm coming down here. I got this great opportunity in front of me, and I want to make the most of it. And I think uh, with him at this point, Adam, that's the greatest thing he has going for him. Fans were salivating over Felipe Franks in the recruiting
2: process. They wanted the name. They wanted the stars. They wanted to get him from LSU. They got him. What does he bring into the mix?
1: Felipe Franks, he's got a little a little charisma about him. He, he seems very confident for a true freshman. Uh, he was under the spotlight in high school, especially the last couple of years. All of these highly recruited quarterbacks. These days, they get a lot of media exposure before they ever step foot on campus. And with him, you can kind of tell the way he carries himself. But just looking at him on the field, he's got a very nice uh, delivery. He seems very accurate with uh, what he does. He just feels comfortable kind of running the show. and Got a good command of the huddle. And uh, another kid, he's I think around 6'4", 6'5". A little bit lanky, he's only about 220 pounds or so, he's going to have to put on some weight. But he's mobile, and uh, he's a big piece, I think, of the puzzle there going forward. I don't know what we're going to see out of him in year one, but certainly he's uh, held his own in the spring camp pretty well. Kyle Trask was
2: much less highly regarded coming out of high school, but he's one of those players that Florida identified early. They liked what he could do and felt like he could bring value, even if he wasn't up on those big boards for the recruiting sites. So what do they like so much about him, and what can he bring?
1: Well, I know he brings a big, strong arm, just throws a powerful ball, and uh, he carries himself, again, like Franks, pretty well for a freshman, although he's not as exposed, as you mentioned, to the media and Maybe uh, dealt with some of those things off the field as much as Frank's did. He certainly seems comfortable in the environment. And another kid, he's a big kid, six four. He's about two hundred and thirty pounds, so he's built a little bit uh, bigger than Frank's is. Uh, I just like the way that uh, Trask carries himself. I mean, that's what stood out to me. And he's got an unusual situation that, you know, you mentioned he was a backup in high school because of the system they ran, uh, his team. And there was uh, something, you know, he came to camps and he really showed the Florida coaches how much he wanted to come here. They knew his interests. And then you see a guy and they saw him develop and they thought, hey, this guy can fit in their program and maybe uh, offer us something at quarterback down the road. And so far, so good for uh, Kyle Trask. As we've seen the last few years, none of what the quarterbacks do matters
2: unless they have an offensive line that can protect them. And that's been a real issue the last couple of springs for Florida with depth issues. They've gotten the depth up now. Do they have the talent there, and how complete is that line at this point?
1: Well, Adam, you're right. They do have the depth. They have a lot more than six scholarship linemen like they did last year this time. They really do like the talent they have. They haven't seen it all together this spring. One guy they've missed the whole spring is a freshman last year, Martez Ivey. He's been out after shoulder surgery. They've had some injuries there. Jim McElwain said earlier this week that they've shut down Brandon Sander for a guy who they're going to count on more this year. He didn't really play last year. as a true freshman, but he figures into the plans in a year or two. David Sharp has come along nicely. Uh, he's kind of the one of the veterans up there now, uh, even though he was a sophomore last year. But they like what he brings. Overall, Adam, I think it's a young depth when you talk about that depth. They have a lot of talent. They don't have as much experience as they've had in the last few years. But I do know that Jim McElwain and offensive line coach Mike Summers likes what they have to work with there. And for a program that has had some difficult times along the offensive line in recent years, especially just building that depth, some of it was bad luck, some of it just they missed on a couple players. But I think from top to bottom, you know, when you look at 16, 18 guys in that range, I think this is probably talent-wise the best they've been positioned in quite a while. Ultimately, what will you be looking for Friday night in the Swamp? You know, I've never been one to say you're going to learn a ton in a spring game. The most interesting thing always is just how do the new guys look. Players that you haven't seen out there before. Because, you know, they're not going to do everything that they're going to do when they come back in fall and really start gearing toward the season. Uh, You just want to get off the field healthy. But I'll just start with a couple new players that I think will stand out to fans. First is running back Mark Thompson. Junior college transfer from uh, Dodge City Community College out in Kansas. He's immediately gonna catch your eye because he's bigger than about any running back Florida's had in recent years. He's a 6'2, 240, just a big old bulldozer, but he also has some speed. He broke off a long touchdown run in Friday's scrimmage that you know impressed coaches. And uh, you know, he's got deceptive speed. Once he gets in the open field, he can really run. He's one guy on offense to watch. Dre Massey is another junior college transfer. He's a receiver, a position that we all know the Gators have had some troubles with in recent years. They really like this guy's playmaking. You could see him at receiver. You could see him maybe returning kickoffs or kick returns once uh, the fall arrives. But either way, those are two newcomers on offense who are pretty talented. Defense, another newcomer. Chauncey Gardner, defensive back. He's been impressive uh, to the coaches throughout camp. He's a Florida kid, went to Cocoa High, but he has all the tools that we've seen from those Florida defensive backs in recent years. Quick, really good at pass coverage, uh, playmaking ability. He's going to fit in nicely back there uh, from what I've seen. And then you get to see guys who came back like Jared Davis. He's going to be a leader on that defense and he knows it, so you're going to see those guys. Uh, and then we've talked about the quarterbacks. Let's face it, that's what I think most people are going to be watching because anytime Time you have a quarterback competition at the end of camp, and there's no what you call a clear-cut favorite. That's what people want to see. I mean, we all know that position is the most important in the game, and when you don't have a certified starter, that's when you have to watch.
2: And that's going to do it for this week's show. Remember that the Orange and Blue debut kicks off at seven o'clock on Friday night, and admission is free. If you can't make it to Gainesville, you can see the game live on the SEC Network. We hope you enjoyed a full dose of Gator football talk this week and look forward to bringing you more throughout the fall when the season gets underway. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher to make sure you don't miss it. Until then, I'm Adam Schick, and I'll see you in the swamp.